This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on sportstalksc.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. And good evening, everybody. Welcome. Welcome into Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network, the Monday after a very busy weekend. We've got a lot to unpack from the weekend and from today. Phil Cornblut and Pat Daniel here at the Dave and Buster Studios in Columbia. Chris Bergen joining us shortly from Courtside HTC Center at Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina and the Chicago Bulls tonight. I'm sorry, Chicago State. Chicago State, not the Chicago Bulls. Somebody from Chicago is in to play the uh, Shauna Clears tonight. And we got a lot to talk about. Phone number 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number here on Sports Talk to get you in to us. We'll take as many phone calls as we can get to. We'll hear from Shane Beamer tonight. We had a chance to be with the group that talked to him at halftime of the basketball game on Saturday. If you haven't heard what he had to say, we'll bring that to you. 735, Coach Eddie Ford from Woodland High School. Coach of Cam Pringle will join us to talk about the big guy who's headed to South Carolina. What a terrific recruiting pickup for the Gamecocks. So that was the good news for them. Also in recruiting, the good news is for South Carolina that Eddie Lewis, transfer from Memphis, wide receiver, confirmed to be enrolled at South Carolina. And so they'll have him available at some point in time, I'm not exactly sure. I've been trying to find out. I'm not exactly sure how the enrollment works and when you can start classes because January 9th, according to the USC academic calendar that I could find, January 9th was the last day for dropping classes. No, I'm sorry, January 14th. January January, uh, January 9th was the first day of classes. January uh, 7th, 17th, last Tuesday, January 17th was the last day for dropping classes and things like that to avoid getting, um, a, a W is what they say on your card, on your report, whatever they call it. Now they have report cards anymore, whatever you get. Uh, and that's not good. I don't think. And, uh, my question was, I mean, can you, do you start, can you go to classes this deep into the semester after you're, you're two weeks behind everybody else? So maybe enrolling is one thing and starting in classes is another thing. What that means as far as his uh, participation with the football program, workouts and things like that, I guess he can do that because think about this, mid-year transfers who uh, enroll are able to practice with your team during bowl practice so I would imagine if you are enrolled, even though you're not taking classes, and those guys weren't taking classes, I imagine if you're enrolled and approved and accepted, but you're not taking classes, that you can still work out with the football team and participate with things like that. So that will help South Carolina, they hope, to offset some of their losses. You know, their top receivers, including receivers and, and tight ends, they lost 109 catches off of last year's team. You go back and look at the guys who have departed. And then... There was the bad news for South Carolina, and that was Trajan Jeffcoat, who ended up 
committing to Arkansas yesterday after taking an official visit there. So we can put this case to bed. Let me summarize it by saying that, um, you know, I've gone back and forth on this, and there's things that I've been told from sources that I trust that I just think are too personal to put out over the public airwaves and to report about. And at this point in time, it's just not a necessary thing. I'll just say that from where I sit and from what I think I know, from what I've been told, that this is um, hard to understand South Carolina's position in this particular case because the things that were questioned here about Jeffcoat were all cleared. He was never uh, found to have, uh, well, for lack of a better term, um, I don't want to use that term. He, he, wasn't, he, was, he was not found to have done anything wrong after um, investigations of some, uh, some claims. And thus, uh, he was free to continue playing at Missouri. He could have stayed at Missouri. In fact, that was his original announcement was he was going to stay at Missouri for his final year. He could have stayed and played another year at Missouri. But he wanted to come to South Carolina because he's from Irmo. He wanted to play at South Carolina for his final season. And there's an obvious need at defensive end for him. Uh, and it all looked like it was on go, and then it wasn't. And, again, what I think I know from what I've been told is that this was not an academic thing. This was not an SEC thing. Uh, this was not related to the athletic department. The athletic department did not have – the uh, final say on this. This was another department at USC. I'm not even sure the president, I don't know, I can't speak on that if the president was actually, the new president was actually involved one way or another, but another area of the university with a level of authority uh, was involved here, and that apparently was the uh, stumbling block. The stop sign, that kind of put the kibosh on it right there. And there was no, apparently, no relenting in time before he went ahead and committed to Arkansas. And that's where he's going to go. So, tough loss for South Carolina there. Um, is it an indication that South Carolina is not willing to do everything within its power uh, to have the best football players that they can possibly get? Would, Tra would Trajan Jeffcoat make a difference at South Carolina? I think so. They have needs at defensive end. When you hear Shane Beamer talk later, the first thing out of his mouth when asked about where's the greatest need, he spit it out defensive end. And this was a good player. Uh, this is a pro, probably. He's probably going to be in the NFL. And, you know, I mean, I've heard Ellis Johnson. You've heard him on our show. He's told me many times at South Carolina that you kind of get – it's just – everybody's not rowing the boat in the same direction all the time to get to where you want to get to. And this is the SEC. As you can tell, two other SEC teams and probably others would have welcomed him without question. But for some reason that I cannot answer, South Carolina has somebody who could stop the process and there's no overcoming that. So – they lose a potentially talented starting defensive end to an SEC rival. At least they won't have to face him. You know, he's had good good games against the Gamecocks during his time at Missouri. Scored a touchdown against him, remember, in 2021 in Columbia, Missouri. So that's a tough deal for South Carolina 
when you consider that, you know, getting a quality player, a veteran player who could fill an immediate need, immediate gap for you, that is um, a cherished thing this day and age. So they had a bunch of good news over the weekend. They seemed to have a good uh, junior day. But then that piece of bad news was severely, severely uh, bad news. Clemson will pick things up in recruiting this week because they've got a big junior day coming up this week. And we'll be talking more about those players coming to Clemson for the visit. Uh, we'll take your phone calls, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky number here on Sports Talk. Got a lot of news notes to pass along as well. Let's welcome in Mr. Bergen from Courtside, the HTC Center at Coastal Carolina. He's getting ready to watch Lashana Clears take on Chicago State. Lashana Clears got themselves a uh, exciting win this past Saturday. And you're right, Phil, it is not the Chicago Bulls. It is not DePaul or any other team from the uh, city of Chicago. It is Chicago State. And coming in on paper, you look at a team that's 4-16, and 16 and you think, oh, piece of cake tonight for the Chanticleers. This may be the best 4-16 and 16 team in the country just on the talent side of the coin alone because they've got some tremendous players. Matter of fact, one of their guards actually started at Southern California, transferred to Dayton, started games there, and now he's here at Chicago State. Their problem is they are an independent, one of only two in the country alongside Hartford. So they're basically just trying to play as many money games as possible. And so they come in here on a lengthy road losing streak at 0-16. They have not played, though, in 10 days. So that's a concern for Cliff Ellis and his team because this will be their third game in five days. But as you pointed out, Coastal playing some really good basketball here of late. Back-to-back overtime wins last week over Appalachian State and Saturday against South Alabama. So you would think they've got some confidence as they hit the midway point of Sunbelt Conference play. But this is one of those games, a little landmine that you really don't want to have blow up in your face because you certainly don't want to be the one team that Chicago State beats on the road uh, starting tonight for sure. Absolutely. And then you guys hit the road, right? You've got a road trip coming up this week. That is correct. As a matter of fact, we'll leave out of here tomorrow and bus up to uh, Harrisonburg, Virginia, where Coastal will play James Madison on Thursday, come back Friday, and then play Old Dominion, also, by the way, from the state of Virginia, why they couldn't play them both at the same time. The, I, I don't get in the new Sun Belt, but nonetheless, they'll come back here. All of that being said, nobody has a worse travel schedule than these guys, the Cougars from Chicago State. How about this for a road swing? You go from Chicago, Illinois, down here to Conway, flying to Myrtle Beach, hang out at the beach for a couple days, and then in two days from now, they'll be playing in Palo Alto, California against Stanford. And then, oh, by the way, on January the 30th, they are back here in South Carolina against the Citadel. I don't know who their travel agent is, but that person is not very good. That's crazy. At their job. That is absolutely <laughs> crazy. Okay. Uh, before we uh, move on to anything else, and we've only got you for a short period, just your thoughts on things that happened over the weekend, things I just talked about. Maybe you, you want to touch on the NFL playoffs, anything else off the top of your mind. Let me mention one thing here about basketball. Uh, terrific win for Clemson over Virginia Tech on Saturday. Tigers are 24th in the AP this week. College of Charleston, another big win. They are 18th in the AP ranking this week. Purdue goes back to number one. USC women stay number one. Have you ever seen – now, you've looked at a lot of basketball box scores in your time, Chris. The Gamecock, the women – by the way, the men, you know, got hammered again. Though they were competitive, I'll give them that against um, – uh, in their game Saturday against Auburn, even though they fell behind by 
26 points, I think, at one time. They did yeah. get back to within 10. They were they put up the effort. G.G. Jackson was really good in the second half. The team was pretty good in the second half, not so in the first half. But the women yesterday against Arkansas, a team that came in with 17 wins, they had 74 rebounds. <laughs> 74 rebounds. How do you get 74 rebounds in a single uh, women's basketball game of 40 minutes? I don't know how you get 74 rebounds in an NBA game of 48 minutes, Phil. It's just remarkable, and I think it shows the biggest problem that women's college basketball has is the lack of competitive balance. Uh, South Carolina is so much better than everybody else for the most part that they play. There are obviously a few exceptions. Stanford, UConn, we'll see if LSU is for real in a couple of weeks when they come to Columbia. But for the most part, even in the SEC, as good as the SEC has been over the years in women's basketball, the haves versus the have-nots in Arkansas, you wouldn't think, would fall into the have-nots category. But, I mean, just not competitive at all. That game, again, over at halftime. And and you brought this up last week, and I think it was a, a valid point. How does Dawn Staley prevent her team from getting bored and complacent? Well, obviously, they just go out and whip teams by 45, 50 points a game. They don't have to worry about that because all their backups are getting starters minutes. But, I mean, it's just remarkable what they are doing. They're just eviscerating teams right now, and they're doing it because of the talent they've got on the inside. It's just remarkable. You, you classified the Clemson win as a really good win. I'll give it to you that it was a win, but that game set college basketball back 40 years. Mm. It was hard to watch. I mean, you have to have a game like that or two where you don't play your best if you're going to have a special season like Clemson is having right now and find a way to win. But that was just putrid basketball on both ends of the floor. I've never seen so many. Now, that would have been a game you could get 70 rebounds because there were so many missed shots. I mean, it was just awful offensive basketball. But props to the uh, Tigers for finding a way to fend off Virginia Tech and, and pick up that win. And one thing I wanted to point out about the uh, South Carolina game quickly is you you brought up the point from 26 down to 10 and the one thing that really bothered me with the way that Lamont Paris handled the next two minutes of that game now whether or not it would have mattered I don't know but you get them going from they were down 51 to 25 with 15 minutes left to go they cut it to 58 to 48 on a Gigi Jackson three-pointer who was terrific that's by far his best game of the season he was outstanding in seven minutes, they went from 26 down to 10 down. And then Auburn, in the span of two minutes, pushed it back up to 16. And Lamont Paris didn't call a timeout or anything to stop that run. You had your team back in it. The crowd was back in it, had a chance. And goodness gracious, you could have used the timeout just to rest a little bit. I was stunned he didn't try to call a timeout once. They had a couple of bad possessions and things started going back Auburn's way. Call a timeout, slow that momentum back down and see if you can make one final run. Like I said, I'm not sure it would have made it a big difference in the final score of the game. But I was surprised at, at the way he handled that sort of juncture from the eight-minute mark to about the six-minute mark in that game. Yeah, excellent point. Uh, taking a look real quick here at the uh, some of the numbers from the women's game. Uh, first of all, they drew 13,349. The men's announced attendance was uh, 13,444, I do believe. So good crowd turned out for that as well. And, you know, Aaliyah Boston set the school record for uh, career double-doubles. She had 13 points. She had 14 rebounds. But we mentioned the 74 rebounds. 32 of the rebounds were offensive. <laughs> and that's a game, though. That's a game. I mean, that's total rebounds is mm -hmm. usually 32. They had 32 
Offensive rebounds. They had um, 40 points in the paint. They outscored Arkansas second-chance points 37 to nothing. 37 yeah, that's crazy. to nothing because, you know what, Arkansas had two offensive rebounds. They only had 17 rebounds for the game. It's not like the Gamecocks were shooting 90%. I mean, they shot 39.5% for the game. They missed shots, but they got every stinking rebound. They're also 27 to 33 from the foul line. Their bench outscored Arkansas 38 to 7. And, I mean, in every possible way that you beat a team down, they beat a team down. And this was a team that came in with 17 wins. And you anticipated them putting up somewhat of a fight. I am convinced, though, Dawn Staley coaches that and tells her team, even if you think it's not a very good shot, get it up on the glass because we'll get the rebound and have a, a much closer opportunity from inside the paint. And it works because they are so dominant on the interior that no one can muscle them out of the way. Even when Aaliyah Boston, what she play? I didn't look at the box score, but maybe 20 minutes yesterday? Yeah. And she was able to corral another double-double. And to put her in comparison with a player like Sheila Foster is just incredible because you're talking about the best of the best to ever roll through Columbia. And Aaliyah Boston is just knocking records off left and right with her play. Okay, our phone number, 888-898-2525. We'll get to your phone calls in a moment. That's our South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. And since 2002, more than $2.2 billion in lottery proceeds have been used to fund life scholarships for the state's college-bound students. Learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash educationwins. And playing for fun is a win for education. Talking with us is a win for you. And we'll get to the winners after the break. Show your team pride wherever you go with Founders Federal Credit Union's Collegiate Debit Cards. Get your University of South Carolina and Clemson University debit cards at any Founders office or by calling 1-800-845-1614. Plus, our debit cards are digital wallet ready, so you can pay however you please. Not a member? Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Hope, life, and the great Palmetto. What do these things have in common? Scholarship dollars. The SC Hope, the life, and the Palmetto Fellow Scholarships are funded by the lottery players of this great state. And after 20 years, you've invested over $7 billion in education. $7 billion. Impressive. The South Carolina Education Lottery. When you play, we all win. ACC game tonight, Virginia Tech, after coming to Clemson and losing that close one that set back college basketball 50 years, according to Mr. Bergen, uh, will try and bounce back against Duke. And Duke won a tough one at home on Saturday, kind of gutted out uh, that win over Miami. That was a really good game. So Duke and Virginia Tech tonight. Tomorrow night, Clemson hosts Georgia Tech. Tigers in great shape to pick up another win. Then they go to Florida State which should be a winnable game for them, though Florida State got a nice win over the weekend, so you never know. But if they play good basketball, they 
might pick up a couple of wins. It looks like Chase Hunter and it looks like Alex Hemingway, according to what uh, Brad Brownell said today, uh, could be available uh, tomorrow night. So they're very close on getting back to health and getting back on the court. With that said, let's go to your phone calls. 888-898-2525. It's Hank in Columbia. First up tonight, first up this week. Henry, good to have you with us, sir. Hey, Corn, how's it going? We're doing great. Does anybody else call you Henry besides us? Nah, I say my name ain't even Hank. I think that's the name Corey Miller gave me one night. <laughs> oh, your name is not even Hank? It's... <laughs> no, I think Corey Miller gave it to me as a nickname when he ain't having his calling show. That's funny. <laughs> that's The man yeah. of the greatest nickname ever is giving out nicknames. Yeah. Uh, Corey, you know, you, you mentioned it, I appreciate you mentioning it, but you, when you talk about the women and you talk about Arkansas, like you said, like Arkansas came in with 17 wins, Corn. But not only that, they come in with 17 wins. Arkansas has beaten two other ranked teams. They were the team that had, with just a few votes out of being in the top 25, they were the, the team with the most receiving the most votes last week without being in the top 25. Mm-hmm. And just four days earlier, they had played LSU, which at the time LSU was ranked third. I think they dropped LSU to fourth after they played Arkansas. Because Arkansas, when they played LSU, they led LSU with a minute to go. LSU hit a basket to end up winning the game by three in the last 16 seconds. So <laughs> what does that tell you about the upcoming USC-LSU matchup in February? Yeah, it means that LSU better, uh, better strap it up and, and – um, and, and, and get serious because they got to come down to Columbia. <laughs> they got to come mm-hmm. down to Columbia. And, uh, I, you know, um, like I, that was the strange thing. They had just played LSU through a three-point game in which they had a chance to win. And LSU hit that basket with 16 seconds to, to stay undefeated. And then to come into South Carolina and have that happen to them. And, and like their coach said, um, one of the biggest things, you talk about rebound, but one of the other biggest things is the discipline that they play defense with. He said no other team with that type of height can can switch out and play five people who can switch on anybody and guard. He said, he, you know, his guards would uh, run pick and rolls to get a big girl on him. And he said Boston and them would keep would guard him out there at the three-point line to keep him from getting in. Mm-hmm. They're tough. I mean, what can you say? I was thinking about this today. No, I don't like to go over the top. I really don't like to go over the top about things. But should they win the national championship this year? has three national championships. You go back and look at this period of time from the players that she has brought in and what's still coming down the pipe to them. I mean, she's got a lot of good players coming in. Uh, is it too much to say that in all of college sports right now, in all of college sports, she has got the single most dominant program in the country? You know, that – that's not too much to say. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you um, a funny th- two funny things about what you said, Corn. Mm-hmm. One, as you know, you see all the talent they have, and they have the number two recruiting class in the country coming in this year already signed. <laughs> uh, next year they got a lot of girls in the top ten who are looking to sign with them. So they're not slowing down talent-wise. But the, the other funny thing was last week when they played on Sunday, um, when they played Vanderbilt last Sunday, um, an old lady called into the she spoke to a, a commentator who was commentating the ESPN halftime show mm-hmm. 
And the, and the comments and the old lady said, my grandma was calling in from Georgia. She got so and so, and she said, South Carolina women is Georgia football with ponytails. <laughs> Hank, you liked that one, didn't you? Georgia football with ponytails. <laughs> Hank really liked that one. All right, with that, we're going to let you go because we're coming up on a break. Uh, and we got to say goodbye to Bergie, but uh, that's good. Chris, like USC women's basketball is Georgia with ponytails. I, I really like the comparison. The only difference, though, is Georgia probably a, a little more competition that they get from their opponents in South Carolina right now. But hard to argue that they are not the most dominant program in sports, at least at the collegiate level, right? They are. I mean, it's, and there's no end in sight. All right, my man, you have a great call tonight. Enjoy uh, watching Chicago State. <laughs> we'll do it, and I will chat with you guys from Harrisonburg on Wednesday. That sounds great. Safe travels, and we'll be back after the break. Welcome back, everybody. It's Sports Talk on a Monday night, the Monday after. Busy weekend of sports. Our phone number, 888-898-2525. Recruiting is coming up for you in just a little bit. Plenty to talk about there. One other key item in recruiting from over the weekend related to Nick Harbor, who South Carolina is heavily recruiting, tight end out of Washington, D.C. Defensive end as well, but wants to be a tight end because he's a track star. When I say track star, he is a star. Did you see video of him from the Texas Tech Nationals, I guess they're called, that he competed at Lubbock, Texas over the weekend? I mean, just this is against high school kids now. He's just blowing them away. I think he posted like a six six nine sixty yard dash, 6.69 60-yard dash. Um, unbelievably fast. Now, the interesting thing from a recruiting standpoint is that he posted on his Instagram a picture, and he had a dateline on it of Boulder, Colorado, leading one to believe that he went to visit University of Colorado. Now, his father was contacted by Steve Wiltfong of 24-7 Sports, who said, He's nowhere near Boulder, Colorado. He's in school here in Washington, D.C. Okay, that's all well and good. Um, I don't know when that picture was taken, and, you know, it could have been from some other time, or I don't know. Did he finish up in Lubbock, Texas, and swing through Boulder, Colorado for a day, for a quick stay, a quick visit to meet with Dion? I mean, if you're going to talk track in college – Deion Sanders would certainly be somebody you'd be listening to because I think he was a track star, too, at Florida State when he was there, I think. I don't know what kind of track program they have at Colorado. Track's going to be a big part of his decision-making process. Now, he is supposed to go visit Oregon first part of February. But anyway, the photo's gone now. You go back to his Instagram, and it's not there any longer. So just something, you know, a little recruiting little recruiting uh, mystery uh, that we have going on there that you just don't have the answers to. But, you know, at one point he did have that picture and it was identified as Boulder, Colorado. But now it's gone. 
Phone number, 888-898-2525. We go to uh, Andy in Columbia. Nope, I'm sorry. Up, 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 up. Jump to the wrong, jump to the wrong one. Oh, it's um, it's Gamecock Larry. My bad. Gamecock Larry is with us here in Columbia. Uh, Gamecock Larry, welcome in. Hope you had a good weekend. I had a good weekend, but uh, someone said, well, I got thinking about it, but I can't remember you guys' name. Said that they were surprised that Lamont Paris didn't call timeout when Auburn went on that six or eight run, point run, mm-hmm. after we cut it to 10. This ain't the last time we're going to be surprised by Lamont don't do something. I'm not, uh, I mean, that's all I'll say about that. But the women, boy, I tell you, them women, they something else. And, uh, Bill, I, I hear that Clemson in you. I hear that Clemson in your voice. How's that? I got. I just had. I can. I can hear that Clemson in your voice. Fifty-four days down and three hundred and eleven to go. We are still Palmetto champions. You know I mean, they had the, the Palmetto Bowl trophy on display at the basketball <laughs> arena on Saturday for all to see. They were holding that thing up like a golden calf and showing it off and. It's theirs now. I think, uh, as maybe Shane Beamer or somebody said, it was back home where it belonged, back home in Columbia. Three hundred eleven days to go, and then start three hundred sixty-five more. <laughs> All you Clemson fans, I want to rile you guys. I want to rile you up, old game Larry. I love to rile them old. George Bulldogs and them Clemson Tiger fans. I'd love to get y'all all riled up. Well, you do a you do a good job of it, Larry. You do an excellent job. Okay, okay. Bill, have a good day. All right. <laughs> I love all y'all. I just like to have some fun. You, you're a good go, man. Thank you. Go Gamecocks. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you, Larry. Gamecock, Larry. Trying to rile them up here in uh, in January, counting it down till the Gamecocks and Tigers meet again. We shall see. Phone number triple eight eight nine eight two five two five. Let me catch you up on a few things. First of all, our new poll question of the week, which is on our website, sportstalksc.com, Our Twitter at sportstalksc. Shane Beamer went seven and six, three and five in the SEC in his first season at USC. Eight and five and four and four in year number two. Do you expect the upward trajectory to continue in 2023? And if so, by how many wins? So the answers are yes, by four more wins, which would mean a 12-win regular season, or a 12-win season. I guess I included the bowl games in the records. Yes, by three more wins. Yes, by two more wins. No, they win eight or fewer. I couldn't put, if I was going to get those others in, I ran out of space because you can only put four answers in a Twitter poll. So putting in the answer of one wasn't available. And I felt like I wanted to start at four. So anyway, 50.2% say the Gamecocks will continue by two more wins, which means 10 and three next year. 39.9% say no, they will win eight or fewer. 5.6%, 5.6%, 213 votes. 5.6% say yes by three more wins, and 4.2% say yes 
by four more wins. So you can participate and get your vote in on our website, sportstalksc.com, on our Twitter at sportstalksc. I mean, they've got some pieces, obviously starting at quarterback and with Antoine Wells returning and Leggett returning. I like the new receiver they're adding in Lewis. You look at all the tight ends they're bringing in in the class, the transfer tight ends, the high school tight ends. The offensive linemen they signed last year looked like a good group to me. How much have they developed? Are they ready to help? If so, then that'll be useful on the offensive line because you got one side of the offensive line that's got to be replenished. For that matter, I think they could do perhaps a redo across the offensive line in some cases, but we'll see what happens there. Now, defensively, you got to solve the defensive end spot. I mean, you could you could have Alex Huntley playing out there at, at defensive end. Was it Huntley? No, 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 not Huntley. It was um, well, you it was um, uh, who was ninety one in my head? It was a big defensive tackle. They moved out there to uh, the defensive end. And I'm going to go back and look it up. Uh, but anyway, you could play him some at defensive end. That will help. But they're going to be so thin at defensive end that they, they're going to need some immediate help, immediate improvement uh, in that area uh, going into next season because they've lost so many players. It was Tonka Hemingway, I think. Yeah, Tonka Hemingway as I pull up my depth chart. I mean, you got Alex Huntley back, having Jordan Strawn back, and that's one thing that Dabo, Dabo, that uh, Shane Beamer said Saturday, it looks good for Jordan Strawn getting another year coming off his injury early this past season, and that would be huge. He's he sort of talked like he's expecting it to happen. So you got him. Um, you got Hemingway. You got Huntley, Tyreek Johnson, Terrell Dawkins. I know Brian Thomas played some this past season. They feel good about him. But they've got to replenish that defensive line area for sure. And uh, linebacker, secondary, special teams, they all still look pretty good. So there's some areas, of course, that they've got to they've got to uh, work hard to replace some people. Uh, Beamer said Hank Manos is probably not coming back because they have not he's not been involved with any offseason workouts. He's not expecting him back. He's not expecting expecting Chad Terrell back either. That was another one that had an option to come back, but uh, is not going to make it back. So um, again, oh, and and uh, and also Campbell. Backup offensive lineman Wyatt Campbell is another one, so you take those guys out as well. So they got uh, they got some major holes to fill, but that's why they've been recruiting hard. That's why they've hit the transfer portal, John. They've now got eight transfers from other four year schools and one junior college transfer. So and they're not done yet, as you well know. They continue to uh, to work that area uh, very strongly. All right, few other notes to pass along. Maurice Duncan is the new defensive backs coach. At Charleston Southern, he comes from uh, North Greenville. And for some reason, I want to say he once coached at the Citadel. Uh, By the way, did you remember this? You know, Brock Purdy, who was Mr. Irrelevant in the draft and is now the quarterback of the future for the 49ers and has led them to the NFC Championship game. His last college game, because he's an Iowa State guy, his last college game was against Clemson in the Cheez-It Bowl that night in Orlando. If I remember, it was a pretty chilly night in Orlando. 
He was 23 of 39 for 204 yards, a touchdown, and interception in a loss to Clemson 20 to 13. I was just thinking about that last night watching him. I'm thinking to myself, how does this guy go from being the last player taken in the draft to being now the future of the San Francisco 49ers organization? How does that happen? How do all the other teams miss that much on a guy like that? Mississippi State is taking quarterback transfer Mike Wright from Vanderbilt. Miami transfer quarterback Jake Garcia is headed to Missouri. Of course, it wouldn't be the offseason without issues at Georgia. And, of course, I'm not making light of anything that happened last week. That was a complete tragedy. But now a transfer football player, Rodarius Jaquan Thomas, also known as Ra-Ra Thomas, a transfer from Mississippi State. He was arrested early this morning on charges of false imprisonment and battery slash family violence. So for all the great things Georgia does on the field, they still have their issues off the field, not picking at them. It's a fact. Just look at the, look at the stories. As I mentioned, College of Charleston is 18th and Clemson is 24th in the AP men's basketball poll. This week, Purdue is back to number one and is followed by Alabama and then Houston, which lost to Temple over the weekend. Then Tennessee, Kansas State, Arizona, Virginia, UCLA, Kansas, and Texas. That's your top ten. And Clemson's got a chance to add another W tomorrow night at home against a struggling uh, Georgia Tech team. That should be a game the Tigers should handle if they keep their eye on the ball. Blythewood native and Tennessee forward Julian Phillips is the SEC Freshman of the Week. 14 points, 7.5 rebounds, and a pair of wins last week. The updated net rankings to start this week. The College of Charleston leads the state at 43. Clemson is 59. Furman is 110. Wofford is 228. Coastal Carolina is 254. Upstate is 276. Winthrop is 278. South Carolina is 279. Charleston Southern is 280. Citadel, 313. Presbyterian, 342. SC State is 343. Southern Conference today announced football schedules for 2023. We'll give you the three in-state schools. Wofford opens the season September 2nd at Pitt. Then to William & Mary they go. Home to Presbyterian. Then to VMI, close out September, home to Chattanooga. Open October, home to Samford. Then trips to East Tennessee and Mercer. Open on the 28th of October. In November, home to Western Carolina, at the Citadel, and home to Furman. As for Furman, the Paladins will open October 31st, a Thursday night, at home against Tennessee Tech. Then, September 9th, they play at South Carolina. Then a trip to Kennesaw State. Then Mercer at home. Then Citadel at home after an off week. Then a trip to Samford, a trip to Western Carolina, home to East Tennessee in November at Chattanooga, home to VMI and home to Wofford. And the Citadel will open the season. September 2nd at Georgia Southern. Then a home game with Campbell. Then they travel to Chattanooga and then travel to South Carolina State. Good matchup there. Home game with Western Carolina, the closeout September. 
in October the 7th at Furman, then home to VMI, then an off week. Then they go to Samford in November. It's home to Mercer, home to Wofford, and they close out the regular season November 18th at East Tennessee State. Also in basketball, Andy Katz put out his new projection for the tournament, his bracket, his bracketology. He has Clemson, a nine seed in the West, playing New Mexico. And the College of Charleston he has as a 10 seed in the West, playing Arkansas. All right. We'll hit the break here on Sports Talk. We'll come back and start with the recruiting report for you tonight. Some Shane Beamer coming up after the top of the hour. Also, Eddie Ford, head coach at Woodland High School, head coach of Cam Pringle. He'll join us at 735 to talk about Pringle, kind of player he is, and what he will bring to the table for South Carolina when he arrives next January. I would imagine he'll enroll early and be there next January. we got all that coming up after this break here on Sports Talk. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. Join the Trailblaze Challenge, the endurance hike program where big hearts come together for big steps to create hope for local wish families through Make-A-Wish South Carolina. This spring, take part in a new journey on the Palmetto Trail. From sunrise on the highest peak in South Carolina to the coastal marshes of the low country, hikers of all levels can support critically ill children, enjoy and explore the outdoors, and build South Carolina pride and community through an all-inclusive hike experience. Visit sctrailblazechallenge.org to learn how to get started. That's sctrailblazechallenge.org. Let's give you the recruiting report tonight. Started out, probably have to carry it over. To the next hour, it's brought to you by Seawells. Hey, when you're planning that special event, whether it's a wedding reception or a birthday party, a corporate outing, an awards banquet, a business luncheon, be sure you call the catering experts at Seawells. They have been serving the states with excellent food and service for more than 70 years. They can handle all your planning and catering needs at their facility, Rosewood Drive, across from the fairgrounds, or they'll come to your venue. Visit the website, seawellscateringsc.com, for more menu options, or just call 
7385. And don't forget the daily luncheon buffet for you every day from 11 till 2 at Seawells. It is uh, magnificent. What's that French word for uh, delicious food? There's a French word, mon, mon appetit, or something like that. Wasn't good in French, wasn't good in, uh, in Spanish either. So South Carolina gets the commitment from Cam Pringle. Yesterday afternoon, he announced about 2 o'clock at a gathering at his school. It actually came down to South Carolina, Georgia, from what Coach Eddie Ford had told us, though he had others on his shortlist. We're going to hear from Coach Ford in the next half hour. Here is a little from Pringle as he talked with the media after making his announcements, he gathered with the media to take questions. Here is that give and take, Cam Pringle, with the media there at Woodland High School on Sunday afternoon. So, so I guess, Cam, first of all, what was it specifically about the Gamecocks that, that turned you to make this decision? Um, I feel like Carolina is a really good program. It's on the rise. Uh, I have an opportunity to go in and play early, uh, make an impact to the team. Of course, it's close. I mean, it's, it's right under an hour from my house, so it's very close. All my family can come to games. I just feel like it was the right place for me. And what about Shane Beamer in terms of his interest in that coaching staff over the last X number of weeks? What was that process like? Because obviously they made an impression on you. Um, I feel like with Coach Beamer, uh, he's just he's just been there, you know, recruiting me hard since the start, since I was a freshman. So. Um, you know, I've gotten to know him, like got to know him, and uh, just building that relationship has is, is always been something that, that's always been in the back of my mind. And you talked about kind of making an impact right away. You expect to, when you do get there, to you get a lot of minutes right away on the line? Um, of course, I mean, that's what I want, but uh, nothing's just given. I got to earn it. Uh, of course, if I can go in and play early, that's the plan, uh, but it's work to be done. What is the significance of this day in terms of your journey from when you were a little bitty dude to now you're going to play college football? I mean, yeah, of course, uh, the reason why I chose today is my mom's birthday. Uh, she grew up a Carolina fan, uh, but I, that's why I didn't really publicize it because, you know, people can crack codes quick. But uh, uh, this is something I've been waiting for for a long time, you know, looking forward to. So having this day here, it just feels great. Did she pressure you at all to beat the Gamecocks? <laughs> oh, no, definitely not. She was comfortable wherever I was comfortable. So, I mean, if I had to go across the country, she would have been there every step of the way. Did you grow up a South Carolina fan? Um, actually, no, I did not. I grew up a Florida fan, but, you know, South Carolina was always there, and I always watched South Carolina. Why was it important to you to make the decision now, still in your junior season, ahead of your senior year still to come? Um, just to slow down recruitment, you know, <laughs> step away from, from the camps, from all the calls, from the texts and everything. It's just now I can control the process. Now, speaking of that, to that end, are you going to, is this it? These are your guys, and you don't want to receive any more phone calls because the way college football is, as you well know, is it doesn't stop till it stops. You know what I'm saying? What's your mindset there about these other schools may still say, hey, dude, you know, here's another pitch? I mean, I'm an all-in type of guy, so I mean, now that I'm committed to a school, uh, that's the school I'll be visiting, that's the school I'll be rooting for, and that's the school I'll be preparing to come in and play for. Now, have you heard from Shane Beamer yet today? Oh, yes, ma'am. I've been talking to uh, Coach Beamer all day, but. Uh, I haven't, you know, since I just pulled the trigger. I know he's probably ecstatic right now. Yeah, you got to check your phone soon. Yes, ma'am. Probably got a lot of messages. How, did, how do you think your high school career prepared you for this? And, you know, Coach Ford and, and all the support here in the community. How did all this prepare you for today? Um, it definitely prepared me a lot. I know when I came in, I came to Woodland as a seventh grader, uh, transferring from the Tulsa area. Um, coming in, it was just always a warm welcome, like a family, family feel. So uh, growing up in that, it, it really 
prepare me as a man, just knowing that family is important. Who are some of the key figures in South Carolina, whether it's coaches or Mets, or who are some of those other guys that played across the street? Big guys in my recruitment, uh, of course, Coach Beamer, uh, Coach Teasley, Coach Atkins, uh, Taylor Edwards, um, and then recruits, Dante Reno, um, Montague Rains, all those type of guys. How much with Dante? I mean, you know, he's obviously pretty active on Twitter. Y'all being in the same class, how much has he been hitting up here? I guess he's a Oh, he's been doing a great job as a recruiter. Um, you know, he committed before all of us, but he was recruiting us before he even committed. And, uh, you know, him being a quarterback, it kind of works. Offensive line and quarterback type of. So, man, this is perfect. There you go. Comments of Cam Pringle. We'll talk with his coach coming up bottom of the next hour. And on to recruiting, and we'll continue this into the next hour. So, again, a Trajan Jeffcoat situation ended for South Carolina last night with his announcement that he would be transferring to Arkansas and not South Carolina. He took an official visit to South Carolina, I'm sorry, to Arkansas over the weekend. He had hoped to uh, end up at South Carolina. It looked like that was going to happen. He relocated to his home in Irmo with plans to enroll for the spring semester once he was officially accepted. But over the uh, January 14th weekend, the Big Spur reported there was an issue holding up the transfer. And as things played out last week, it was learned the situation that had occurred early in his time at Missouri was the crux of the matter. Uh, It was something uh, out of the hands of the athletic department, did not involve U.S. uh, SEC regulations. Uh, Sources had said that board members and other influential people worked on the case throughout the week in an attempt to resolve the matter within the university, but to no avail. Jeff Cook was advised the situation could eventually be worked out at USC and to remain patient, but he had no guarantees. Thus, he went ahead and made the commitment to Arkansas. We'll give you more after the top of the hour break. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. Okay, we are back on a Monday edition of Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network, we thank you for joining us wherever you happen to be hanging out tonight. Glad you got us uh, tuned in. Don't forget, if you lose us over the airwaves, you can always find us with our various streams on Twitter, on YouTube, on Facebook, and you also can get our audio stream on our website, sportstalksc.com. Let me uh, wrap up the recruiting report, then on to some other things, including Words from USC coach Shane Beamer. Uh, Tomorrow night on Sports Talk, USC baseball coach Mark Kingston will join us, 635. Baseball practice begins across the country on Friday. I'm looking for the Gamecocks to have a pretty good team. They're already put in the preseason top 25 by D1. If they can stay healthy with those arms, they've got the arms, I think, to do a lot of damage. Their problem has just been staying healthy. You can't lose as much of your rotation as they've lost in a given season and expect to be successful. So we'll have him tomorrow night, 635. We'll be up at uh, Little John Coliseum tomorrow night broadcasting prior to the Clemson game, which won't tip off till 9 o'clock. All right, back to recruiting. So South Carolina firmed up today publicly 
that uh, the transfer wide receiver is in rolled at South Carolina. And that is Eddie Lewis, six feet 190. He's a native of Harlem, most recently played at Memphis. Now, the Big Spur reported Lewis has enrolled, and the state confirmed that through a school spokesman. Native of Harlem, began his career at Rutgers in 2018. He played two seasons there. He caught 29 passes, 203 yards, and a touchdown with the Scarlet Knights. Then he transferred to Butler, where they did not have a fall season, remember, in 2020 fall, but he did play in the spring of 2021, and he caught 23 passes, 512 yards, and four touchdowns in six games. From Butler, he goes to Memphis, where he developed one of the top receivers in the league. Last season, he earned second-team All-AAC honors. He caught 40 balls, 596 yards, six touchdowns. For his two seasons with the Tigers, 62 catches, 945 yards, and 10 touchdowns with a long of 75, and he averaged over 15 yards per catch. The point here is everywhere he's been, he's caught passes at all levels. Get him to football. So the Gamecocks, of course, lost several receivers from last year's team, most notably Josh Van and Jalen Brooks and tight ends Jaheim Bell and Nate Atkins and Austin Stogner. Those five combined to catch 109 passes last season. So they got a lot to replace there. The Gamecocks do have a total of 10 receivers and tight ends set to join the program. Lewis is the fourth receiver joining the program for 2023 and is the eighth player in the class taken from the NCAA transfer portal, John. Shane Beamer getting after it in the John, the portal, John. Other news, linebacker Wendell Gregory, Marietta, Georgia, has been a frequent visitor to USC, and Saturday he was back for junior day in what is supposed to be his final recruiting visit before making his commitment announcement Friday at 5.30. He said on Saturday the decision has been made, the winning school has been notified, he said the main factor for him is family. It's a real bond, the place I want to go. Everybody is tuned in, and they have one goal, and that's a natty. That's the main goal. He said his decision came down to USC, Tennessee, and Missouri. Auburn and North Carolina are also on his earlier short list. Last week, Shane Beamer was by the school. Tennessee also was in. He's expecting Missouri to visit tomorrow. As for the junior day, Another good experience. He said he met a couple of juniors, met a couple of committed kids, met some of the players, met a lot of coaches, talked to a lot of coaches, interacted with a lot of people. Had a meeting about academic life, tutoring, grades. He also talked to Beamer and secondary coach Torian Gray. He feels the future very positive for the program. He is a high-level recruit. Other offers included Michigan, Michigan State, Virginia Tech, Nebraska, West Virginia, NC State, Pitt, Mississippi State, Georgia Tech, others. Last season, he had 86 tackles, 11 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks, and two interceptions. By the way, another USC target announces tomorrow, a little bit after noon, that's tied in Michael Smith from Savannah. And South Carolina's been strong on him. He's made several visits. He did not make it in for the junior day because he had a basketball game. But the Gamecock insiders are feeling pretty confident about the Gamecocks getting him as well. Some other notes. Class of 2026 linebacker Michael Bowler of Spring Valley 
was at USC Saturday. Looking at his picture and his name and where he goes to school, he's got to be part of the Bulware family from Spring Valley. I got to believe. Told you about the Harbor deal. Again, Harbor was at uh, Texas Tech for a track meet. And he did extremely well. I mean, he dominated. Then he posted a picture of in, on Instagram that uh, alluded to the possibility that he was at the University of Colorado. That picture is no longer on his Instagram. And Steve Wiltfong of 24-7 Sports talked to his father, who said that his son is nowhere near Colorado. He's at school. And that he, the father, and his wife are at work. So, does that mean he absolutely did not go to Colorado some way, somehow, on the way back home to D.C.? I don't know. I'm just telling you what I see. Linebacker Jeremiah Holmes of Durham, North Carolina, committed to the Citadel. Uh, Wendell Gregory, who we just talked about, was offered by Southern Cal. Place kicker Peyton Argent of Hoover, Alabama, plans to join South Carolina as a preferred walk-on for next season he was all state as a kicker this past season and if my memory's right i think his numbers were 14 of 18 on field goals with a long of 43 yards safety jarvis boatwright of clearwater florida named a top five of usc florida state ucf tennessee and florida uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Told you about that. Miami transfer quarterback Jake Garcia going to Missouri. Mississippi State gets Vanderbilt transfer quarterback Mike Wright. All right. Offensive tackle Marion Corey, 6'4", 285, Loganville, Georgia. He committed to Coastal Carolina. And let's see. What else do we have here? Is there anything else? Uh, you know, Beamer did put out another commitment alert for the 23 class yesterday afternoon. That might have been. Don't know for sure. You think maybe Elijah Caldwell, the wide receiver from Northwestern, who was in for his official visit over the weekend. It would make sense if that's who it was for. There's a few unclaimed commitment alerts out there right now for South Carolina. Uh, let's see. Uh, Gamecock and Clemson target defensive tackle Heaven Brown Schuler was at Michigan over the weekend. I think he goes to Clemson this coming Saturday. Clemson target defensive tackle Blake Frazier was offered by Texas. Citadel picked up a commitment from Christopher Benton out of Haines City, Florida, outside linebacker defensive end. So they're starting to get it done there at the Citadel. Athlete B.J. Gibson of Rochelle, Georgia, was at the USC Junior Day, as was offensive tackle Jordan Floyd of Lilburn, Georgia. I had not previously mentioned them as uh, being in. Citadel offered River Bluff running back Cooper Johns. USC offered big offensive tackle Mike Williams of Maryland, who was in for his uh, visit for Junior Day at USC this past Saturday. Clemson target cornerback Emilio Agard was at Penn State Saturday. Now, USC offered in basketball, according to the school, Omnia Basketball Academy in Finland. The Gamecocks offered 6'4", Morris Yugosuk, and also 6'4", 
Oku Federico, whose brother, I think, plays at Pittsburgh. That's according to the school. They put out tweets that South Carolina had offered those two. And with that, I think that wraps up the recruiting report for tonight here on Sports Talk. So we'll hit the break, and on the other side, comments from USC football coach Shane Beamer as he gathered with the media at halftime after they had a little presentation on the floor introducing several members of the team that are returning and several new members who have joined the team here at mid-semester or mid-break, whatever you call it, mid-year. And they had the uh, Palmetto Bowl trophy on display as well for all to see. And the Gamecock fans were happy about all that. Then he talked with us, and we'll bring that to you coming up. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game, it's played for fun. So set a dollar amount, expect not to win, and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit playresponsiblysc.com. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. All right, Shane Beamer met with the media backstage at the Colonial Life Arena after doing his thing at halftime of the men's uh, basketball game. And here is what he had to say as he took questions. First time that he had talked with the media in a group setting like this uh, since the, uh, I'm trying to think, I guess the bowl game. Bowl game would have been the last time. We had signing day mid-December, then bowl game, and I think that's the last time. So here he is taking some questions about his team. What do you think you are on finishing putting this roster together for 23? We're, uh, I would say, close. Obviously, some um, high school prospects that we're still recruiting right now. Um, uh, you know, the portal window has closed, but certainly uh, I don't think you're ever done there. There'll be another window at the end of spring practice. But I'd say we're, we're close, but certainly you guys know there's still um, – there's still some uh, positions that we have critical needs at that we're not done uh, solidifying yet. Shane, have you guys figured out what Greg's role is going to be moving forward yet? 
Right now, uh, we haven't talked about responsibilities and all that. I mean, he's still going to be heavily involved uh, with what we do. I, I told him I wanted him to stay around. To me, we've got two great offensive line coaches in Lonnie and, and Ad, and um, happy to have both of them here. They both are on the same page and, and work great together. Uh, Ad's phenomenal with recruits, phenomenal as a coach. Uh, certainly wanted him to get his health in order, and, and that's he's well on his way to doing that. And, and a lot of that, too, Ben, is there's a lot of talk with the NCAA and how analysts may be viewed as far as what they can and can't do. So I think his role is still to be determined, but he'll be heavily involved with everything that we're doing uh, on and off the field. When you look at the momentum generated by the wins over Tennessee and Clemson, you know, an impressive bowl performance. Uh, how does that compare to last year? Um, it's – I don't want to – Different in the sense of who we beat in the regular season. Obviously, there was a lot of momentum at the end of last season, Rick, beating Auburn and Florida, going to a bowl, then beating North Carolina up in the bowl game. That was huge for us from a momentum standpoint. But then certainly when you go into year two, there's still questions that people have. And then obviously the way we played down in Gainesville that night uh, to come back and, and finish the season like we did with two top ten wins. If anything, that's just um, – solidified what we're doing and people whose eyes weren't open already certainly were opened after what we did um, in the last two regular season games. Kish Juice announced he's coming back and Spencer right after that. Just how good was it to have both those guys invest more? Yeah, that was huge. I feel like the, the season is, is busy, but the minute the season ends is probably the busiest time of the year, and I still don't feel like I've slowed down since, since the bowl game. But uh, had some great co communication and conversations with Spencer and Juice and their families and along with you know Coach Loggins and Coach Stepp. They did a great job. Everybody did. And, and like I said all along, just wanted to lay it out for those guys, their options, and and uh, wanted to support them in whatever way, whatever decision they made. And thankful that they chose to stay here at Carolina. And, and uh, it adds to the energy that we already created with the end of the season. That just increases it with those two guys coming back. Uh, kind of what did you? Oh, God. Just what are the impressions, though, with Dowell from the team perspective and on the recruiting chosen? And the, and the what? And the recruiting chosen. Dowell's been amazing. Um, I know we haven't played a game yet, um, but he's been uh, – even better than I thought he would be, and I'm not just saying that. He's he's done. He's a great relationship person. You guys will continue to get to know him, but he does a great job of building relationships with people. Um, he did an awesome job. He spent a lot of time talking to Spencer and Juice and, and, and all of our players, and, and I would say that he was key in those guys coming back. And then uh, he's been kind of just going with me everywhere we go recruiting, just kind of he and I getting talking and, and talking about the offense and him getting to know recruits. He was with Clayton and Torian and I going to see defensive players over in Georgia this past week. And, and uh, he's been amazing on the recruiting trail, like coming out of homes and high schools, you're listening to him talk to guys. I've been really, really impressed and, and uh, really excited that he's here. Shane, there were three guys that uh, were honored on senior day that could come back, Amanos, Campbell, and Terrell. Will those guys be with the team this year? Uh, still to be determined. I don't want to speak for them. I, I, I think for Wyatt and and uh, and Hank, I think they've decided to go on to, to what's next. Um, and then I believe the same with, with Chad. Uh, they're not involved in our workouts right now, um, but great young men and, and want to, you know, certainly – uh, wish them well and for everything they did for Gamecock football as well. And then Jordan Strawn, anywhere on his appeal if he'll be able to come back? We're full speed ahead on him and and, and uh, have every anticipation that he'll be playing for us. He's, invo he's involved in workouts right now and, and uh, you know, knock on wood, I think, we're, I think we're good there. 
you, are you concerned about the defensive end position? Yes. <laughs> and, what are you, and what are you doing to solve it? Uh, recruiting. So we've, we've got a bunch of prospects here today. Obviously, need some of those guys to graduate high school early so they can get here in the, in the fall. Uh, certainly, that's one of the critical positions uh, that, that we have. And, um, you know, and that's why we're called coaches. We've got to recruit and we've got to develop. And, um, and you know, the recruiting prior to Sterling Lucas getting here, frankly, wasn't what it needed to be just from an overall standpoint. It needed to be better. And Sterling's done an amazing job of recruiting. We've got two great young men that we have high hopes for that got honored out there just now in Montague and Desmond. And, uh, but they're true freshmen as well. But, uh, you know, certainly there's guys that Jordan Strawn coming back, Terrell Dawkins coming back, Tyreek Johnson coming back, Brian Thomas, another year for him. It's time for those guys to take another step. And, and, I, and I say that, Phil, yes, I'm concerned. I'm concerned about the depth. You know, I mean, you saw we lost Jordan Strong to an ACL in game two. We lost Dawkins to a knee injury. Uh, so we rotate those guys in, and we need more than two guys at that position. So that's something that we've got to continue to um, look at and evaluate. We like the guys that we have, but we need to add more depth to that room for sure. Could there be a, a big-time transfer kind of hanging out there? That there's, uh, there's certainly some great – guys out there that rush the, that can rush the passer and i'd say there's a lot of schools that are after those guys and if there's a great pass rusher out there certainly uh, we 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 want to do everything we can to get guys like that here you mentioned dowell just how involved was he in terms of getting spencer back and what was kind of his pitch and i guess what were those conversations kind of like um that's probably a better question for spencer or dowell because i really wasn't in them um you know they spent a lot of time talking and um and i think it was Spencer doing his research on Dow, Dow doing his, you know, talking to Spencer and getting to know each other and talking about the offense, but really just getting to know each other on a personal basis because they're going to spend obviously a ton of time together. And, um, you know, Spencer after the bowl game, I don't think he ever went back to Arizona. I think he came back from Jacksonville and was here all week and uh, before we started class and same thing with uh, Juice as well. So those guys were able to spend a lot of time getting to know each other and, and he was instrumental in those guys coming back. They got to believe in him as a coach and as a person and as a uh, and what we're going to do offensively also. Just clarify the plan is for Greg to be on staff 2023. Oh, absolutely. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Saying after experiencing He's here recruiting his butt off today right now. <laughs> after experiencing the new recruiting calendar with, you know, how things went started December through that month and just the whole landscape with how it is now. What what are your thoughts about it, and, and what do you think needs to change moving forward? Oh, man. Um, that's a, <laughs> probably a separate separate media uh, session. Um, December was really, 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 really tough um, for a lot of reasons. Um, I know why we pushed back signing day. It was because we finished the season on Saturday, and then we had a week of being in the office with guys. Uh, our, our own team before we hit the road recruiting, so therefore signing day was pushed back. I understand why they did that and, and wasn't against that. I love that part of it on the front end. I didn't love it on the back end where signing day is four days before Christmas, uh, two days before you break for Christmas for your football team in a bowl game, and you got the transfer portal going, going on and you're trying to host guys on visits and things like that. So it was just a, uh, it was a, it was a lot. Uh, we all dealt with it. We did the best we could. Um, there were some good things out of it. There were some not so good things out of it. And certainly, you know, we've got some SEC head coaches meetings coming up here in a couple in a few weeks, and I'm sure that'll be something that we discuss as well. You're, we're always trying to find ways to to make it better, and I think we can. You feel like your voice is getting louder in those meetings. I mean, you're still a young guy, <laughs> but I mean, do they listen to you? Do you? Do you um, you'd have to ask them. Um, <laughs> I sit there and, and uh, I mean, there's a lot of guys that have won a lot more football games in those rooms than me and, and have won championships. And certainly I'm, the, I'm one of those guys that just doesn't want to 
talk, Phil, to hear myself talk. I mean, I'm confident in speaking up if I feel like I have something to say. Um, but I'm not one of those guys that's going to keep us in there. You know, a lot of those head coaches that you guys think would do all the talking, they don't. They never say a word in there. And then some of the guys y'all probably think would never talk, do a lot of the talking. And, and um, um, it's very good, though, and Commissioner Sankey does a great job of, of running those meetings as well. You got any distraction on your preseason uh, preseason pitch, getting a preseason for college football? No, I haven't. That may be something um, that that may be something that I bring up about a preseason game uh, against another team. Are you going to stand on the table for any issue that's really important to you at the SEC meetings? Absolutely. Yeah. If there was anything that uh, you know, ultimately my job as the head coach is to always do what's best for the you know the SEC, but the South Carolina football program. So certainly, if I felt strongly about something. Um, in regards to our our program, our university, you know, absolutely. Whether you feel strongly about something this year, uh, I do, I do, um, I do. But but uh, you know, always always want to do what's best for our university and our program. And I also have you know leadership above me as well that uh, that uh, I answer to. And and ha there's a great respect. And, and I know what you guys are getting at. There's been great communication with my bosses and, and the people here at this university about any situation that's out there and and um i appreciate um the people i work for and their honesty and transparency as well i don't think we've talked to you since you got the extension i guess just what was that like and, and i guess you know working through that and yeah um honored blessed humbled uh to that the university has confidence in me and and felt confident enough in me to to give me a contract extension and then to also take care of uh, our coaches and staff as well in a lot of ways. We had coaches on this staff that had opportunities to go to other programs and, and chose to stay and and appreciate the commitment from our university to help us on that as well. And um, and uh, and like I said before, I'm honored to be the head coach here and and we've, it's been a great two years and appreciate the, the, the contract extension was a process. It wasn't just a slam dunk in a week. I mean, this has been something that's been going on for a while and um, obviously really really humble that it got taken care of and and uh, I'm I realize how fortunate I am to to be in this position and and uh, certainly have a lot of work to do but but proud of what we've done and and uh, grateful for the support of the people here at this university okay Shane Beamer from Saturday a couple of other quick notes before we hit the break Beamer has hired as an analyst Ryan Juracek he is the son of Hunter Juracek, the former AD at Coastal, now the AD at Arkansas. He played at Arkansas, also played at Carolina Forest, and he's joining the Gamecocks as an offensive analyst. Pete Yannity reporting. Oh, by the way, Pete Yannity, in case you weren't listening last week, last place in our picking contest this year. So he'll be known as Mr. Last Place. So Mr. Last Place, Pete Yannity, uh, Reporting that Chester offensive line coach Chris Dodson is a new head football coach at Ware Shoals. Okay. And one more recruiting note that I ran across that I meant to mention and I failed to. And that is that safety Cameron Michael from Statesboro, Georgia, has the Gamecocks on his list of his top 13 at this point. More recruiting coming up after the break. Coach Eddie Ford from Woodland to talk about Cam Pringle. Here on Sports Talk, coming up. Well, it was a big day at Woodland High School. 
down in Dorchester County over at St. George. Yesterday is a big day for South Carolina as well as Cam Pringle, big offensive tackle at Woodland, announced his commitment to uh, the Gamecocks. We have Woodland coach Eddie Ford joining us here on Sports Talk. Coach Ford, it's great to have you with us. How are you, sir? I'm great, Phil. How are you? Oh, it's always a pleasure. Enjoyed seeing you at the All-Star Game back in December. And, man, what a year you guys had and what a player you have produced in Cam Pringle. I hear nothing but great things about him. I've had the good fortune to talk to him a few times. I can tell he's a he's a smart guy and he's been well-raised. He's a yes, sir, no, sir kind of guy. And I imagine he handles his football the same way. <laughs> yeah, but he's a little bit more aggressive than yes, sir, no, sir on the field. <laughs> how how so? Oh, yeah. he. I mean, you know, he's he's physically gifted. And, I mean, every block that he makes, he's trying to just punish a guy. Well, he's so much bigger than everybody, right? What did you – last time you uh, measured him and weighed him, what would you have? Uh, we had 6'7", 325. Wow. Yet it's a, it's a good 325, right? He carries that pretty well on his frame. Yes, he does. Yeah, because I know you play him some at defensive end. Now, actually, he may be a little lighter than that now because he's playing basketball this year. Yeah. So, break him down from a technique standpoint. What do you like about what he does? Uh, he's just He plays with really good pad leverage. And, I mean, he's really physical. He's good with his hands. He's good with his eyes. I mean, he trusts what he sees. His feet get him there. And, I mean, he's just ultra-aggressive in what he does. Is he on that frame of six seven three hundred plus? Is he naturally strong, or is it something he's had to work at in the weight room? That's a little bit of both. I mean, when you're that big, you're going to have a little natural strength. But when he started lifting, it just it caught fire. I mean, he got strong really, really fast. What have you seen him do so in the weight say, room? Yeah, I, go would, ahead. I would say it's a combination of both. I mean, like I said, when he started lifting, I mean, he was kind of like everybody else. But he made gains so fast. And then, you know, he started lifting in seventh grade because he's got two older brothers. Uh, one's playing at Albany State. He plays offensive tackle. He's an, he's actually an all-conference offensive tackle at Albany State. Mm-hmm. And he had an old uh, – the next brother played at Limestone, but he's not playing anymore. Mm-hmm. So he learned so the he game got, early. Yes, he did. He did. He saw it early. And, you know, when, when you're the little brother and you've got two older brothers – that's what you want to do. You want to be like the bigger brothers. Do you, on your offensive line and how you use your lineman, do you pull him very much? Is he very mobile? Do you have him going straight ahead blocking? How do you like to use him? Uh, we use him every way we can. I mean, he's a really good drive blocker. Uh, we run lots of counter with him. So, I mean, he can pull and he can get where he's got to go. Uh, we run a lot of stretch. We run a lot of jet. I mean, he's athletic enough that he can – he's really efficient at every block that needs to be made. He's not just a dominant drive blocker, and he's not just a great pass blocker. I mean, he, he's got the whole bag of tools now. Yeah. Talking with Coach Eddie Ford at Woodland, uh, what's it mean to your high school to have a player like this who has emerged nationally as a renowned recruit and you know brings a lot of attention to not only himself but to your program and your high school? I mean, it does. I mean, you know, Cam, his success is, is a reflection of what we're all doing at Woodland High School. Um, you know, our program is not just Cam, but we've had some really good football players over the past four years, and Cam is kind of like the icing on the cake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, 
like I said, he's great. And it's good to get all that national attention. It does. I mean, and it also helps some of our other kids get recognition and, and get offers and end up at places where they may not have got that attention had we not had a national kid on the team. And the thing about Cam, from what I can tell, he, he he's a very humble young man. He handles things very quietly and maturely, like the announcement yesterday. You know, not a lot of hoopla about it. Just basically thanked everybody and had the hats on the table. Didn't embarrass any of the other schools. Just announced for South Carolina, and that was it. Yeah, his his dad, his mom and dad have done an outstanding job keeping him humble and respectful throughout the whole process because, I mean, you know as well as I know, a lot of these kids, I mean, it's just a me, 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 how much attention I can get, and that stuff kind of has a tendency to get in kids' heads. Mm-hmm. But it didn't work out like that with Cam. I mean, he was – he had every right to be, you know, a little arrogant, a little big-headed – just because of all the national attention and all the offers he got. But at not one point throughout this whole process was he, I'm the guy, I'm the best, I'm the this. I mean, now, I mean, he'll, he'll tell you he thinks he's the best offensive lineman in the country. But, you know, you got to think like that when you're a kid of his stature. Sure, sure. But as far as just being really selfish, a selfish type of individual, a me guy, and never a team, no, nah, he's never, ever been that talking with Coach Eddie Ford from Woodland. So uh, it looked like he had a nice final little group of schools, um, and, and it came down to South Carolina and Georgia, from what you told me, uh, end of last week. I guess it came down to those two. Kirby Smart was in last week. Uh, Shane Beamer was in, of course. Uh, did it ever get really tight? I mean, he, you know, South Carolina had recruited him for a long time. It seemed like that was uh, kind of at the forefront of his mind, but did did Georgia really close the gap and, and make it interesting? I think they did towards the end. But, you know, the with Cam, uh, the opportunity to play early, um, the opportunity, I mean, he's very family-oriented. And the, the just being able to get grandmama, mama, daddy, my brothers, get everybody right there to Columbia, which is hour and ten minutes away from our campus. Mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, Coach, I mean, they both both staffs did an awesome job recruiting him. You know, Coach Smart, Georgia at UGA, they did a really good job. Coach Beamer did, but you know, it was the family environment that Coach Beamer created at Carolina, and the opportunity where he saw where Coach Beamer's kind of flipping the program in the right direction. And I think you know he wants to be a part of the guys that come in and and you know create that culture and build that program. He jumped on him. Beamer did. He jumped on him very early once he took the job at South Carolina in December of um, 2020, I guess it was, prior to the 2021 yeah. season. So jumped on Pringle very, very quickly and kind of made him a priority target. How much of that quick work, that early work, kind of laying the groundwork? Because he had nothing to sell at that point. It was like, hello, I'm Shane Beamer. How are you? I'm the new coach at South Carolina, right? He didn't have anything to sell. But by jumping on him early when he was a young pup, so to speak, how much did that help Beamer down the road in the recruiting process here? It really did. I mean, you know, with a lot of these guys, you know, the earlier you can get to them, the better off you're going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I think now we're in a situation where I don't think you can wait till the last second off for a kid and think you're going to get him. But he got on him early and he established a relationship with Cam. With Cam and, you know, his mom, his dad. And that paid dividends at the end. So 
your team, of course, was uh, outstanding last year. If not mistaken, you made it to the lower third state round. finals. Third round. Third round. Yeah. Yes, sir. You lose your quarterback, right? Because he's headed to Virginia. <laughs> yes, sir. What are you going to do to replace him? Uh, you know, we've got some good players. We've got a couple young ones that we really like. Um, of course, I don't think they'll be as dynamic as Sedarian was. I mean, he's a he's a once in every decade type talent. But, you know, we're going to be so much better around him that the next quarterback, he's going to have a lot of help. We've got a lot of skilled kids back. We've got a lot of offensive linemen back. So he just kind of got to, you know, just be steady and don't turn the ball over, and I think we'll be fine. You know, speaking of Sudarian, now here's a guy that um, was an athlete quarterback for you guys. Virginia was very interested in him, and uh, Vanderbilt got in there, Oklahoma. Uh, but but South Carolina and Clemson, they, they, I think they looked at him, but they didn't move on him. Do you, do you know why the in-state schools didn't make a bigger push for him? Uh, you know, he kind of blew up late. He really – a lot of the Power Fives, Virginia, Virginia Tech, Oklahoma, they came in on him about week seven, week eight of the season. And, you know, Carolina knew about him, Clemson knew about him, and, and the issue was – it was more so his size. Yeah, but as far as his ability to play, you know, they, that was unquestioned. They knew he could play. But, you know, just physically could he hold up in, in the SEC or the ACC? Yeah. Virginia plans to play him where? They're going to play him at slot receiver. He's going to play slot, and he's going to return punts and kicks. Oh, okay. I look forward to that. So Cam no is Cam is squared away, and like he said, he is a uh, – how did he put it? I'm a um, all-in kind of guy. When I make a decision, I'm done. So you don't have to worry about any flippity-floppity with him, huh? I would hope not. I mean, we try to tell our kids, once you make a decision now, you know, you stick with it. And, uh, you know, I reminded of that because he did it really early. Yeah. You know, he's got he's got to hold that commitment for a year. But, you know, I mean, he's that type of kid. I, I seriously doubt if he's going to waver. But I know the, the situation we're in, he's one of the best linemen in the country. Uh, you know, the Georgia, Tennessee, they said they're not going to start recruiting him. So, I mean, he's going to have a little pressure. And I told him that just because you're committed, that doesn't make everybody else stop. At, do you, as a coach, I mean, do you feel any uh, responsibility, let's say, for South Carolina and, and like telling other coaches, hey, my man here is committed elsewhere, no more phone calls? Or do you leave that up to the family and the young man to decide if they still want to talk to other people? I I, I try to stay out of it as much as I can. I let them know that he's committed. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think me telling them to stop is not going to stop them. Yeah. No. <laughs> that'll not be a, with a play of not with a play of his caliber. Yeah, that'll be up to the player and the family to say, "Hey, coaches, we're done. We said we're done, and we're done." No question. Yeah. Will he no sign? Question. Will he sign in December? Is that his plan? Yes. He, yes, he's going to early enroll. Also, early enroll and sign in December. Okay. Yeah, coach. We really appreciate it. Congrats to you and your coaches for producing a, a big, big-time prospect. And I uh, know you guys will have a big year coming up in 23. Look forward to following you guys, and we'll talk to you again soon. We really appreciate it. Thank you, Phil. Thank appreciate you, sir. You. you too, sir. Thank All you. Right. All right, Coach Eddie Ford from Woodland, one of the fine coaches in our state. He was part of the uh, the staff for would have been the South in the Touchstone Energy Bowl down in Myrtle Beach and just does a great job, and we appreciate him taking – time out so yeah it's got to be up to the player and the family if you are committed and you don't 
you don't want to take any more phone calls. You want to be over. You got to tell the other. You got to tell those um, used car salesmen that college coaches morph into. You know, they morph into used car salesmen this time of year. You got to tell them we're done. We appreciate you, but you know, no more phone calls. Can you do that? Can you make that comment? Make that statement. Uh, some players can't do it. They want to continue to be recruited, and some can. You know, that's why again. The Dabo Sweeney philosophy, I think, is one that every coach should adopt. You know, you got to have a little bit of backbone to do it, but that philosophy is do not commit to me unless you're willing to shut it down. That's a pretty simple approach. Don't commit if you're not ready to shut it down. If you think you you want to crack the door open at some point, say we lose a couple of games and you want to crack the door open, don't commit to us now. You know, wait till you are 100% sure. But we're going to go ahead and recruit other players at that position, you know. Sweeney's been in a position to do that, and it hasn't really hurt him over the years. I'm not sure how many other coaches – and listen, some coaches, you know, like Spurrier, you know, Spurrier really could care less, I think, if you committed to him and to his program, Florida or South Carolina or Duke, whatever. If you still want to go take some other visits, he, I think he was like, fine, go take your visits, you know. You'll have your spot here when you're ready, I guess. That's how he felt about transfers. He never would block a player from transferring. Remember when coaches could block you from transferring to a certain school? He'd always say, you want to transfer to Clemson or Georgia or Florida? Go right ahead. Not going to get in your way, you know. So, I mean, this looks pretty good for South Carolina here at this point. I I think I take uh, Cam Pringle at his word that uh, he's all in with South Carolina and done. And uh, as long as the Gamecocks don't uh, implode – and have a miserable 23, which I, you know. Would I pick him to win the other day? We went over the schedule. I think I had him at 10, didn't I? Yeah, you had him at either, it was either 9 or 10. You may yeah. have had him at 10, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Including a back-to-back win against Clemson. <sighs> what can I tell you? You got to beat them now, Tigers. Now it's up to you. You got to, until you prove them wrong, you know. And why, why wouldn't you pick South Carolina? I really like this pickup of the Lewis kid out of Memphis. He looks like... Uh, you know, every bit like a Wells, like a Rucker would have been had he been healthy. That guy coming from the lower level who's got ability. And one thing about that Memphis program over the years, going back to when Norvell was there and even now, they've had a lot of speed at wide receiver in that program. This guy's probably got a lot of speed. And, you know, Phil, one thing we haven't really discussed a lot regarding Carolina, South Carolina's schedule next year is the Orange Crush has been broken apart. Next year, the their schedule is extremely tough out of the gate. They mm-hmm. have North Carolina, who might be a, they take a slight step back. Furman, who I mean, they're Furman, but that will not be a no. cupcake of a game. New. No. Then at Georgia, Mississippi State at home, and then at Tennessee. I mean, that's that's three at least incredibly difficult games in the month of September alone. But the back end of the schedule is a little bit more favorable for the Gamecocks. And typically, by the time we've heard the argument for years, South Carolina fans can. I don't want to say complaining, but talking about the rigors of the SEC schedule, and by the time they face Clemson at the end of the year, they're having far more injury concerns than the Tigers after finishing their ACC schedule. And this year, the Gamecocks in November have Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, and then Kentucky. I realize they got a great transfer quarterback from NC State, but we still don't know. They lost their star quarterback, lost their star running back, multiple offensive linemen, multiple defensive linemen. Kentucky may take a step back as well. So the Clemson Tigers may face a very healthy and loaded Gamecock squad. Good point. So heavy on the front end, a little bit lighter on the back end. 
We'll see how the Gamecocks play that. Update some basketball before we go to the break. In the ACC at the half, Virginia Tech is leading Duke in Blacksburg 45-38. Late in the first half, Coastal is trailing. Come on, Shantz. Trailing Chicago State. They must have thought it was the Bulls. When I said the Bulls, they must have took me at my word. Chicago State leads 42-33 over Coastal Carolina. Northwestern leads Wisconsin 44-42. Do you know that was Northwestern's been dealing with COVID? They had uh, to postpone a game oh, wow. because of COVID. First team I've heard about that in a long time that had to delay because of COVID. Uh, you got Delaware State playing at South Carolina State tonight as well in the college basketball. All right, we'll hit the break. When we come back, Pat's got some news about the Atlanta Braves not on the field, but in the booth. Radio booth, TV booth. This is shocking news. I'd put it in the category of shocking news. We'll share that with you if you haven't already heard. We'll share that with you when we come back. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, healthcare, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. When your day calls for some winning, why not watch your favorite football team at Dave & Buster's? We've got massive HDTVs and hundreds of the hottest new games. Sit from our chef-crafted cocktail menu with exclusive drinks such as the Strawberry Watermelon Margarita or Dangerous Waters. Cheer on the team with Cantina Nachos or Wings featuring one of our 12 wing flavors. When your day calls for some winning, it's time for Dave & Buster's, where you can watch the games and play the games. Locations in Greenville, Columbia, and Myrtle Beach. Final minutes on a Monday edition of Sports Talk. Phil Cornblue, Pat Daniel from the Dave and Buster Studios here in Columbia. Remember, for Dave and Buster's, great place to get out to for a great meal, a great time watching the sporting events on television. But I tell you what, for me, it's the food. Their food is terrific. So make sure you get over to Dave and Buster's, Greenville, Columbia, Myrtle Beach. Eat, 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 and drink, and play, and catch the big games all season long. All right. What is happening with the Braves broadcast crew? This was shocking to me this afternoon, Phil. Just as growing up a lifelong Braves fan, David O'Brien of Now the Athletic reported first that Chip Carey is leaving the Braves TV broadcast, and he's accepted the same position now with the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, uh, Carey, who was the son of the late and longtime uh, Braves broadcaster Skip Carey, was raised in St. Louis. And remember, he is the grandson of legendary former, in my lifetime at least, I knew him as more of a Cubs broadcaster, Harry Carey, 
but he did get his start with the St. Louis Cardinals way back when. Uh, this is a family that's that's very well known for their broadcasting skills, but this is this is shocking to see to see Chip Carey leave leave Atlanta. The longtime broadcaster of the Cardinals, Dan McLaughlin, I think I hope I think I'm saying his last name right, McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and Bali Sports Midwest, who broadcast the Cardinals, had agreed to part ways back in December after his third DUI arrest, uh, and that's so I guess that's where this opening kind of came into play. But pretty shocking for Braves fans. Is that the only change in the booth? That's all that I'm finding right now is that is the only change in the booth. Uh, in the last several years, he's been joined in the booth by former Braves outfielder Jeff Francoeur, Paul Bird, and then longtime player Brian Jordan, who made a number of appearances. He does a lot of the postgame and pregame stuff. But uh, as of right now, I'm not seeing any announcement or indication as to who may become the new voice of the Braves. I wonder if they'll give Jim Powell a bigger role now this is um now powell was strictly radio back when he was doing it full time he's had his role reduced with the braves on the radio side the television i don't know how they look for tv guys versus radio guys and all that kind of stuff when they look to fill those jobs i wonder if my man uh, mike morgan might be interested in a run with the braves again you know he did some fill-in work for them for a few years i'm glad you mentioned that that's right where my brain went but i wasn't sure if it was okay to mention that on air but i i Love to at least hear him get an interview. Yeah, if he's interested. You know, Mike sure, really sure. enjoys what he's doing, bouncing from place to place with his ESPN opportunities and the other play-by-play opportunities that he's getting. So being tied down to one one program might not be what he wants. Then again, with Atlanta and being a major league baseball play-by-play announcer on radio and television, that's pretty high cotton right there. Absolutely. And now this is the second big loss for the Braves uh, adding Dansby Swanson also to the NL Central when he, of course, went to the Cubs in that big offseason acquisition. I think that upset a lot of a lot of Braves fans as well. But now seeing the voice of the Braves going to the NL Central as well with the Cardinals. All right, very good. We'll see what happens. That is the shock because, I mean, the Carey name with the Braves, as we know, goes back to their beginning with Skip Carey pretty much, right? Wasn't Skip when the original broadcast crew back in the mid-'60s? He joined in 1976, and he was then the lead member of the broadcast team up until his his unfortunate death at the age of 68 in 2008. All right, one correction for tonight so far. Anything else you can think of to correct me on? Uh, I uh, miswrote here, Ryan Juracek played at Marshall, not at Arkansas, but he's the son of the Arkansas AD Hunter Juracek, and... Hunter Juracek used to be, of course, at Coastal Carolina. But Ryan Juracek, who played at Marshall and is the son of the Arkansas AD Hunter Juracek, is joining the Gamecock staff as an analyst. Any other mistakes you got for me? No mistakes, but a story I'm just seeing. We don't have time tonight, but we may go into tomorrow and certainly Friday with uh, George Bryan. You know this whole uh, antitrust case the Liv has filed against Mm -hmm. the PGA Tour? Yeah. Well, Condoleezza Rice is being named in this, uh, being accused of attempting to influence the DOJ to not seek a lawsuit against the PGA Tour, swinging her influence there. And if that's true, that is a big-time no-no. Hmm. I wouldn't want to take on Condoleezza Rice. I got to believe that she has some pretty powerful contacts from back in the day. Like, you know, if you happen to go missing after taking her on, We'll understand why. Now, she seems like a really nice person, to be quite honest with you. I'd love to play a round of golf with her. With her, 
uh, and she's also a huge sports fan. Brilliant woman. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Incredible sports fan. A lot of f- folks have talked about her being more involved. Uh, it's the Broncos, right, that she's part of the ownership group, I believe? I think you're right. I um, think you're right. But she's a regular modern-day renaissance woman. She has tons and tons of skills. Yeah, I wouldn't take her on, though. I think you will you will probably lose. Um, but we'll see what happens with that. You did see where the Live Golf Tour now has a TV contract with the CW. They're going to carry the events, I think, on American soil. They're going to televise the weekend rounds, those um, Saturday and Sunday rounds. Okay, have a great night, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.